Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Backing down a lefty hook, breaks it in! With your host, Elliot Anderson, stop it down behind his head. Sanku Smith, the tipping is good at the buzzer. Now it's time for the tip. Hang time podcast. Once again, coming to you live from our head, new headquarters, new headquarters in Miami, Florida. Um, okay, I'm kidding. <laughs> but we're still coming at you from the... Uh, the Hangtime Hideout here in Atlanta, Georgia. Sekou Smith from the Hangtime blog at NBA.com. Joined by a special co-host this week, Lang Whitaker, the executive editor of Slam Magazine and a uh, longtime friend of the program. Lang, what's happening? Hey, what's up? This is, the first, this is the first time I've been back since the first show. Uh, that ought to tell you something about how we feel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that says more about me or more about <laughs> No, we we wanted to bring in a heavy hitter this week now that uh, basically everybody but uh, you, me, Clint Hawkins, our engineer, Tori Carmen, our, our producer, uh, sitting in today for Micah Harden. Actually, Micah actually crawled himself in it. We're the only people that apparently don't live in Miami now. Um, you know. I'm still waiting for my minimum uh, contract <laughs> offer, <laughs> but I'm ready to go down and be a role player and get my ring. So shouldn't they do that? Shouldn't they just have a reality show to auction off some some spots on that roster? I mean, at this point, yeah. you know, you uh, Dustin Diamond get Harvey <laughs> to get everybody in the shape. Me, uh, Lang, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll ready. do it if you do it. <laughs> Seku, you're always telling me how you would rock it down to the JCC. Exactly. So, you know. I could go for forty a night, but. <laughs> I'd rather see Saker do it than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, ser- listen, serious business. Is this not the the, the strangest week you've seen uh, in the in the NBA in terms of just the build up to Thursday night's announcement? Obviously, the LeBron James will be joining uh, Dwayne Wade and and Chris Bosh at the Miami Heat. Um, but then, less than twenty four hours later, after we get the announcement on on that strange decision two thousand and ten show, you get. The rock star, you know, celebrity welcome with the pyrotechnics and the, you know, all three of them doing the Dougie on the stage. And just, I mean, seriously, was this all necessary, Lang? It was definitely strange. That's a good word for it. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if I ever would have thought <laughs> LeBron James, Chris Bosh would sign on a team with Dwayne Wade and the team would probably still not even be the best team in their division. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, Orlando's still stacked. They're still signing guys left and right. Um, so they, they got three amazing players and that's about it. And I think, you know, we've, we've all seen a lot of like kind of blowback this week from it, but I don't think outside of Cleveland, people are that upset that LeBron went to Miami. I think more people are upset with the way he went to Miami right? and the announcement and the way all that went down. Yeah, Micah had quite a few choice words for uh, LeBron <laughs> last week. Not, I just heard him. I, I mean, I just read him on the emails he was sending me, Lang. But how did LeBron respond, Micah? 
You know, it's funny because usually he gets back to me very quickly, but I guess he's been busy this past week. The, the question that I would just love answered, which will never be answered, but I would just love to know what LeBron and his, and his people thought was going to happen by doing it this way and whether they got out of it what they wanted to get out of it. Because it yeah. just the whole thing just seemed like from start to finish, like what's the worst thing you could do here? <laughs> and then they would do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand. I, I don't think anyone's upset that the Boys and Girls Club made $6 million or whatever it no. was. You know, that's great. That was everyone, a great, yeah. Everyone loves that, and that's great. Um, but if you're going to leave your hometown team – Doing it for an hour on national television is probably not the best way to go about doing that, I don't think. And, you know, maybe a month from now, two months from now, no one cares and that's over and everyone's on to something else. But right now it's not a good look, really. I mean, worse than anything to me was the the foolish, you know, uh, question and answer session with Jim Gray before he he actually said, hey, I'm going to Miami, which I'm, I'm sure you all remember. We knew that. 12 hours before he actually said it, ESPN scooped themselves uh, with the announcement. So, I mean, for Jim Gray to get up there and, hey, you know, where's your powder? And, uh, you know, you still bite your nails? And that, to me, that made that last 20 minutes before he made the announcement more nerve-wracking than anything because it was like, just get to the announcement already. You know, to me, and Seiko, you'll probably uh, be able to identify with this, it seemed like Jim Gray was doing like a print interview. You know what I mean? Like, like if I'm interviewing some guy I've never met before for a story in a magazine that's going to run two months from now, I'm going to sit down with him and maybe spend a couple minutes asking sort of questions that don't really matter, just trying to get to know the guy a little bit, make right. him feel comfortable, all that stuff. Um, and then you get some more serious stuff. But <laughs> on live TV, <laughs> maybe not the best way to go about that. Do you bite your nails? I was like, what are you – you know, all that aside – what what was more disturbing to you, the way LeBron handled this whole thing, or Dan Gilbert's reaction, the uh, the open letter to Cavs fans? That I'm serious, it freaked me out because not only was I anytime somebody types something in all caps, I get nervous, um, and and the fact that you would do it so quickly, I mean, it was out and up on the Cavaliers website like LeBron was still finishing up interviews. I mean, and if you went to the Cavaliers website, it redirected you to that page. <laughs> They reset the site to go to that page. They wanted people to see that. Um, I, I didn't think it was disturbing as much as I thought it was just – I thought it was kind of hilarious. The the font <laughs> that made it look like it was like a MySpace post. And, uh, and, and, and yeah, the speed with which it came out and uh, the way that uh, – just the vitriol and the anger that was there. And I'm sure like a lot of Cavs fans completely identified with that in that moment. Uh, as soon as the announcement was made. But, I mean, an hour earlier, there was a $120 million contract on the table, wasn't there? I mean, <laughs> Last I checked. Yeah, it went really quickly from being, we want you and we'll do whatever you want to come here, to we never want to see you again and get out of town. <laughs> and we're going to burn your jersey on your way out of town. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was a really fast turnaround, I thought. We had a lot of arguments about that uh, in the uh, the NBA.com news desk that night, watching all everything unfold. And, you know, I appreciated the the seemingly authenticity of of the letter. I'm sure that's how he felt. Yeah. And I said, like, look, if if you get a billion dollars, like, you can do that stuff. Like, if I wrote a, a letter like that, I get fired. <laughs> but when you're the boss, like, you should say that kind of stuff because what's going to happen? What's the worst thing that's going to happen to you? But 
I also think that they enabled him the entire time he was in Cleveland. And so to think that you can let someone do whatever that they want to do and never feel any repercussions from it, to then have him leave, I just think that the Cavs are somewhat responsible. And for him to portray themselves as, as a victim as much as the fans are is a little disingenuous or maybe just a little misleading. The I think fans was, have every reason to feel that way. I'm not sure that the Cavs I don't I don't know if I agree that the fans have a right to feel like Le, I mean, if they're upset with the way Right, it I'm went talking down, about the way it went right, down. Not like, that he right. left. The stuff in the letter that he quit and he was a coward and he betrayed I mean, I thought that was just a little a little it, much. I mean, it's, it's got an O the city of Cleveland to, you know, to stay there for the duration of his career. No, I th- it seemed like it was a little bit playing to the crowd, that letter, you know? I mean, he knew the fans were angry, and, and he tapped into that a bit with that letter, right? No question. I mean, I think that was – that's why, it, it, like I said, it, it was a little weird to me. I, I didn't know if it was really venomous, like, you know, that's how he really felt and he was just so passionate, or he was thinking, what's my best move to make sure I don't – you know, we don't lose – our fans in this whole thing, like that we're not the ones they're pointing fingers at. And, you know, I mean, again, his the the value of that franchise dropped. This, the minute the word South and Beach came out of LeBron's mouth, <laughs> the value of the franchise goes down, you know, millions and hundreds of millions of dollars from what I read. So, I mean, maybe that was his wallet talking. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that was his bank account going, hey, you know, look, what are you doing to me here? Well, I agree yeah. with that completely. I think that, like you said, I think part of it – the whole point was to distract the fans from placing some of the blame on the Cavs and some on LeBron to making it all about LeBron. Yeah, well, Lang, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, as the executive editor of Slam Magazine, what does this trio getting together in Miami this fall, what does that do from an editorial perspective for you in terms of where you dispatch reporters to, <laughs> what you're writing about? What You know what I mean? Like, how many covers can they get in a season? You know, I've been thinking about that all weekend, honestly, because um, I was thinking like, well, a, obviously we got to put these guys on the cover, but how, <laughs> how do you do it and make it seem different and cool? And you know, what concept do you do that's fresh and and un, unused before? And mm-hmm. then, I mean, I think it's a little disingenuous if you right now look at this whole situation as. Uh, and, and it's just a complete celebration of the three of them going there because there's a lot of anger uh, from Cleveland fans toward LeBron. And I think not anger, but there's just a lot of like confusion from other fans about the way all this thing went down. I mean, to, but to be fair, we're probably not going to be able to, I mean, we're a monthly magazine. We just did an issue. It's, we're about to do our shoe kicks mm-hmm. issue. It'll be two months before we have them on a cover probably. So, right. Uh, Exclusive breaking news. Two months from now, <laughs> Slam Magazine. Pick it up. <laughs> so uh, I mean, it'll be a while b- before we're able to 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 get to it. And by then, I don't know how this is all going to play out and feel. And you know, maybe the feeling will be different uh, from the general fans. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was such a big story last week. There, there was people here at our office who. Oh, it's this woman I hadn't I hadn't spoken a word to in ten years on Thursday <laughs> stopped me and asked me where LeBron was going. <laughs> I mean, this was a big story, and uh, I don't know that two months from now that people are going to – the casual fan will even care, or, um, you know, by then the Heat might have signed Allen Iverson and Stephon Marbury to play in the backcourt. <laughs> I mean, who knows what's going to happen. Right. No, it, to me, it just becomes 
such a a basketball centric story that by the start of training camp, I can't think of a storyline anywhere unless, like you said, unless something else dramatic happens between now and then that trumps these three guys on the first day of training camp. And yes, if uh, my bosses are listening to this, I will not be opposed to being dispatched <laughs> to Miami for however long it takes to get the story. I was but, lobbying for you to go to Cleveland to do that. <laughs> no, no. Two places where my, my Q rating is at an all-time low right now is Toronto and Cleveland. <laughs> I got I got people in both places looking to, to burn my jersey. So, But, sure. no, I mean, I just, I'm just i just imagining the and, – and I say this because I remember when the Lakers put Carl Malone and Gary Payton on that roster yeah. and how big a deal it was. Like at the start of training camp, you had all these stars. Now, granted, they had other stuff going on, you know. Um, Kobe Bryant had a lot of stuff going on, and you know everybody remembers that stuff. But, but this time, this time last year, it was in Cleveland with Shaq and LeBron. Right. You know. Right. I mean, that was the whole story going into last season. Right. So There's always just... a place that that's kind of the epicenter of the yep. league on that first day of training camp, and I'm I'm assuming there will be an inordinate amount of representation from from our business and from our world at training camp Miami and. The thing that scares me, and I want to ask both of you guys about this, the thing that scares me for those three players, they've taken such a great risk to play together. I'm worried that the the reward, if if they don't cash in and win a championship in the first year or the first couple of years, it's it's an even greater risk. Like, they're going to look so bad if they don't win. Um, you know, and, and people will be blasting them for doing this if they don't win. I don't know. I mean – I think it'll be ob- if they if they if those three guys play well, and they and it's obvious that they're doing their all. And I mean, and there's no one else on that team. That I don't think they're going to take the blame. I mean, uh, I don't know. That's an interesting question, though. I don't, I don't know how you. It's. I mean, it's well. I guess it's the same way with Cleveland last year. I mean, they won 61 games and lost in the second round of the playoffs, and and LeBron still took a lot of the blame, um, even though he averaged what 37 and seven or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how it'll play out. I really don't. I'm I'm very curious uh, how all this is going to go down this year. There are a couple things that I think are interesting, one of which is LeBron's reputation. I mean, we've talked so much, and so much has been said the last few days about what this will mean to his legacy. I never felt, at least from my point of view, that he was being blamed for Cleveland's inability to do anything in the playoffs until Game 5 of last year's semis. Up until that game, it always felt to me like, well, his teammates can't can't support him. What do you expect? Like, he can't do it all by himself. And then right. that kind of changed that narrative a little bit. But I, I, there are so many things with how this roster – I mean, I feel like some people think, all right, they've got the three of them and put you know put me and Sekou out there and they're going <laughs> to win 60 games and maybe win a title. But there, I just feel like there's so much more to be seen. Like, how many NBA players – you know, we heard today that Udonis Haslam turned down a lot of money from some other teams to stay – and play in Miami with those guys. That's not that surprising to me. You know, he's been with them for so long. How many other NBA players are really going to take that minimum contract to go play with those guys and maybe win a title? And then in addition to that, I thought, well, okay, so maybe this year it might be a little tough because they can't – I'm don't. i I'm not great with salary cap and how that works, but they've got draft picks. You know, in the future, maybe they can use those, but now they've traded all those. Right. Yeah. So I wonder how they're going to continue to fill this roster when the other way to do it, which is adding young players to the draft and whatnot, is not really going to be available to them. I mean, I think look at Golden State. 
and they, they what they have like eight guys from the D League last year <laughs> who all came up and performed and, and put up numbers and you know maybe you can get guys that way. Um, maybe you get a Haslam and you find someone else. I don't know, Jawan Howard or, or somebody like that. Yeah. Um, and and you get a point guard and you know that's six players there and you just need a couple more guys. Um, but I, I do think there's going to be a really thin margin for error there. You know, yeah. I mean, when you have those. A, a roster with not that many guys, you, you don't have a lot of room to to make a mistake, I think. I just think the the dynamic for that team is so different, too. Like, you talk about, you know, Reggie Williams and, and uh, you know, the, the D-leaguers who showed up in Golden State and, and really had everybody excited because they were playing this rambunctious brand of basketball and just, you know, flying around and making plays. Well, that's different. Nobody expected them to do anything. So any little and they positive really winning. sign, yeah, any positive sign is, oh, it's great. You got to come. Miami has to win 60-plus games this year. Yeah. They have to win 60-plus games. They can't lose in the second round of the playoffs. Like, there are certain, you know, uh, posts that are going to be set for them that if they don't reach them, this whole this whole thing is going to be viewed as a failure by a lot of people. I'm not saying one guy specifically is going to get the blame, and I have an I have a, an idea in my mind who I think will be the fall guy if things don't work out this year. Um, <laughs> and his name's Eric Spolstra, and I feel terrible for him because yeah. I think he's a, a a really good young coach who's done an excellent job the last couple of years with Dwayne Wade and not a whole lot else um, in terms of seasoned quality, you know, healthy NBA players and. I'm assuming he's the guy that takes the hit if they get to the playoffs and lose in the second round and you get good good play out of Dwayne Wade and LeBron James and Chris Bosh, but they still come up short. What if they win, like, 48 games but make it to the conference finals? Or You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what if they don't win 60 but they're a postseason team? Because in the postseason they'll have a little more time between games. You know, they can rest a little more. Uh, no, the regular whole season, yeah. You know what I mean? Like the regular season, there's so many games and so many days and all that stuff. I wonder if, if with that, with a shorter rotation, uh, if they're going to be more of a postseason team than a regular season team. I think that's an excellent point. And I think reasonable expectations to me would say they wouldn't necessarily win a title this coming year. Right. First of all, the Lakers are still the Lakers. And by the way, thank you, LeBron, for now making me a Lakers fan. <laughs> the one team I hate more than anybody else. If they play Miami in the finals next year, I'm going to have a Kobe jersey on. I'm going to be, you know, so I appreciate that. But I don't know that they're top, that if they don't win a title this year, that I'm going to think it was a disappointment per oh, I se. Think, I think a lot of people will, will categorize it as that. Absolutely. I and, think a lot of people will. I don't know that it's fair necessarily to say that, but that's right. that's the bar that they've set for themselves. Yeah. And I think you you have to remember, too, reasonable expectations are tossed out the window here because just a few years ago, the Boston Celtics did something similar in terms of putting together three superstar players. Granted, these guys were not in the primes of their careers as – you know the, the Miami's big three are whatever we're call- I don't I don't Lang have has anybody come up with an official name for these cla- these uh, cats like, in Miami I, I don't even know I like Mike Mike our guy Mike Lee came up with uh, the Super Friends yeah <laughs> I mean <laughs> which isn't bad yeah they got to have something but uh, I mean Boston's big three was different I mean they were older you yeah. know KG and, and and Ray Allen were certainly deeper into their careers than any of these guys are the difference being they went out and won. 66 games, if I'm not mistaken. And and really, they started like a, a monster 
you know, in early in the season and really never let up. I mean, they went wire to wire, basically, knocking people out and then got to the playoffs. Everybody remembers that first round series where they were, you know, on the ropes, I guess, for, you know, a few minutes here and there against the Hawks and then won that one in seven. And then they really didn't have another test that stiff on their yeah. way to the championship. Like if say, say Miami goes and wins 55 games, gets to the playoffs, struggles a little bit early and then rides it to a championship. I could see everybody going, Hey, it worked. Who cares? You know, the, the ends justified the means, but I'm telling you, if they don't get to the, if they don't get to the NBA finals, a lot of people are going to be pointing to this as a huge disappointment. You said there's going to be unreasonable or unreasonable expectations or, or whatever. I mean, that's because it's an it's really an unreasonable situation. <laughs> I mean, no one ever thought this was going to happen. I don't think. I mean, uh, six months ago, would you have said oh, this is definitely going to happen? These no. three guys going to be. Good. And the other thing is, you know, the Celtics had guys around those guys when they came in. Yeah. You know, that Perkins was already there. Um, Rondo was there. I mean, there was players on that team when when those guys came. And the Heat managed to get all those guys, and they have no one on their <laughs> roster. It's ridiculous when you look at their roster page. So I, it, it's really different than anything we've seen before. And, and I think because of that, it's it's almost impossible to guess how all this is going to play out. Yeah, Although well, we've just we just spent 15 minutes doing it. I was so. going to say, yeah, we just basically <laughs> said if they don't win a championship, you got to sit, you got to deport everybody. So um, I I think it's David Aldridge, uh, TNT's David Aldridge's. Uh, filed a, a report about Udonis Haslam. We were talking about um, coming back to the Heat to uh, join this crew. So I'm, I think that's a huge, huge boost for the Heat in terms of having a – they need somebody to kind of be in the middle of all these these you know, these guys and these, these egos that I don't think are going to be clashing necessarily. But they all have to figure out a way to play with not just one other superstar, but two. Is, is the biggest question remaining for that team, for that Miami team now – whether or not Mario Chalmers is the right-fitted point guard? I, I think yeah. there there's a couple things, and I'll ask you guys if you agree with this or not. It seems no. to me <laughs> definitely not. I, I, want, I guess the one thing that maybe we'll learn from, from this scenario is, can, like, is, are, is LeBron and another top-five player, like, is that enough to win a title regardless of what else you have? Because it seems to me there are two things that this, that this roster has to have to really make it work. One is they still need a defensive presence inside. I like Chris Bosh as a player, but I don't think of him as the Kevin Garnett type who's not letting you come into the paint and score. And then secondly, neither Wade or James, and I know these guys are amazing players and maybe the best in the league, but I wouldn't consider either of them great shooters. I feel like they still need some shooters. Well, Mike Miller, I mean, everybody from all the indications, Mike Miller's going to fill that void. Um, is one shooter enough, though? One guy who you know can hit, you know, forty plus percent of his three pointers. Yeah. I don't. I don't think those guys. I. Th- I don't think it's the hardest thing in the world to find a, a shooter. Right. You know what I mean? Maybe you go after Eddie House or, or somebody who can just stand out there and drain threes. Uh, and as for a defensive presence, uh, what about Shaquille O'Neal? Um. Well, I mean, <laughs> if, Sha- if Shaq goes to Miami, Mike is gonna. <laughs> we're gonna have to. Yeah. Look. <laughs> He's doing the victories. I listen. Micah was counting on Shaq coming to the Hawks so he could go down, you know, to Phillips Arena and watch Shaq, you know, drop some twelve and eights, and you know, at this stage of his career, and and, and sell tickets at Phillips. That's right. They got to sell some tickets, and Shaq, Shaq brings the, the fans. I'm just saying. I think it, that's the kind of person they need as a player who can just defend the rim, basically up close. I mean, or you would think about like three years ago, Matumbo would have been an amazing fit. 
yeah. you know, yeah. just a, a, a big guy to stick next to Bosch to back him up. And why three years ago? He's only Cause... sixty. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, he's retired. That was, my, yeah. that was my reason for saying that. <laughs> I know what I know what point guard they need, but I don't want to get into that conversation right now because Stephon Marbury. He's still now. No, no, I'm talking about. <laughs> Luke Ridnar, baby, but I don't want to get into that because I know how hateful you are when Luke's name comes up. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I'm just, you know, and you know, we probably should move on to other topics now, obviously. But uh, I'm, I'm going to be thinking about that Miami team for a long time, you know, as we, as we have this dead period, you know, once the free agency is really done. Um, I'm, be, I'm just going to be thinking about what they do and how they piece together, and then studying that roster to see. Man, is the chemistry going to work, and and is this thing going to come to fruition the way Pat Riley and everybody in Miami hopes? Um, here's a well. Here's another question. What about instead of them going out and getting a point guard, you play LeBron James there? I like the way it sounds until you realize Chris Bosh is not a banger and he's not a real killer post player, and you're going to need somebody to be able to throw the ball to in the paint. And I'm yeah. and I'm thinking that's where LeBron's going to be the greatest mismatch for this team is when you throw it to him in the paint and he's got some poor small forward trying to guard him and it has no chance. True. You know, I mean, around the rim. I mean, I, you could almost use him like the Hawks used Joe Johnson a couple of years ago where he brings it up, passes to the wing, then cuts down inside, you know. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, as you're saying, there's so much that I think has to still get figured out. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's fun. It's it's out there, and now we got to see what happens. Yeah. Lang, did you like uh, some of the other stuff that went on, like Amari going to New York? I mean, did you have you liked some of the other moves that got made? Boozer, Corver now in Chicago. I mean, the East to me is really taking a step forward this summer, no matter what. Um, I think it has, yeah. I think, that, I think Chicago, I really like what they did mm-hmm. um, with Boozer, Corver, and signing Reddick, even if that gets matched or not, you know. Um, I mean, they're obviously making a run at it right now. Um, I kind of like what Milwaukee did quietly. Right. Bringing back John Salmons, um, getting uh, Larry Sanders. Um, who else did they sign? They signed a center. Uh, totally yeah. blanking. No, I mean, they got Drew Gooden. I mean, they've Drew, done a yeah. lot of stuff. Chris yeah. Douglas Roberts. You know, add to players. You know, Chris Douglas Roberts. They got a lot of different bodies added to the mix. Yeah. I just think uh, that you can't, you can't sleep anymore in the East. Like, you know, it used to be you could win 30 – 35, 37 games and, and kind of cross your fingers and hope to make the playoffs. I'm assuming those days are over. I think so, too. I think the East is much better than it was a month ago. Yeah. You know? It changed a lot. And now, um, I mean, a team like Atlanta, who was third last year, I, I think they, if they're not careful, they could end up being sixth, seventh in the East this year. Right. Well, we're not going to – listen, Mike is in here crying crocodile tears now. <laughs> listen, we're not, we're not going to just – hammer this this free agency stuff there are some there are some other guys working right now in the nba the the rookies and the free agents are actually playing um out in vegas right now and uh, nba.com's rookie guru drew packham is out there he's out there on site in vegas or at least we we think he is we, there's some rumors flying around that he might be you know jet setting all over the west coast and they're if just i hear popping a slot in machine games. in the background exactly <laughs> Um, but we we got to check with Drew because John Wall had his debut last night. We, I know everybody is curious to see how that went out. Check NBA.com to look at it. But, Drew, are are you in Vegas, or, or is it true that you've been, like, jetting back and forth to Lake Tahoe and all these other places partying? Well, I mean, I may or may, or may not be gambling, but if I were, <laughs> let's, let's just say I'm up right now. <laughs> that's good. That's so, good to hear. That's so good news. So it's a good start. Yes, that is good news. Who's doing better, you or John? Who's doing better, you you maybe or maybe not gambling or John Wall? 
Uh, I've got to go with John Wall. I'm not a bad <laughs> I'm 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 a I'm a small time gambler, Seiko. Okay, all right. Well, how how did he look to you? I mean, the first you know his first real taste of of uh, NBA action against somebody with a different jersey on. Obviously, he's not a mini camp or something. What did he? How how did he impress you uh, with his first outing? Well, the first thing you notice is he's quick, and uh, you know I haven't watched uh, too much college ball, so you know this is like the first time I get to really watch these guys in person up close, and you know break him down and whatnot, but, you know, for me, he was the, one of the fastest guys on the court. He was a better defender than I thought. Uh, he seemed like he was working really hard on the defensive end to lock down his man, and, uh, you know, he was nervous, but he was also really fired up, and, you know, that was good to see. You know, he was pumping his fist after every assist and just really, really into it, and, you know, it helps when, you know, there's wall-to-wall fans there just coming out to see you, and you could tell that he was feeding off that, which was Awesome, Drew. When you look at some of these rookies that you're seeing out there this summer, what what is it that you're looking for that you're saying to yourself as you're starting to compile, you know, your rankings in your head for the start of the season? Like, what what are you seeing that you're hoping to see replicated once the season starts? You know, mostly it's like a lot of these guys are going to have to be, you know, niche guys. You know, and so a lot of them I'm looking for. You know, can he knock down like the three ball or or you know, can he be a good defender and, and find a spot on his team? You know, a lot of these guys, you know, they'll put up better numbers here, obviously, because a lot of them are just, you know, the man out here, you know. And so a lot of these guys are fighting to get on the team. You know, these second-round picks, they don't have anything guaranteed. Um, so I'm I'm watching to see how hard they'll play uh, and if they can do the little things that are going to earn them a spot. Drew, it's uh, Lang from Slam. Uh Hey, up, other than other than John Wall, like who were you really looking forward to to seeing out there? Uh, well, I haven't seen him yet, but I'm really looking forward to seeing Demarcus Cousins in Sacramento. Everybody just tells me this guy's a beast, and uh, he's one that I'm really looking forward to. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Aminu. I see him tonight, uh, and you know, all the lottery guys obviously catch my eye. I was interested to see Luke Babbitt. He played yesterday. Yeah. You know, I haven't watched him much in college, but he looked really good. You know, he looks like a, a decent passer, has a nice little lefty stroke. And, uh, you know, I, I liked what I saw of him after one game anyway. We'll see if he keeps it up. Hey, Drew, uh, I apologize for not having the complete uh, league list in front of me, but do the Heat have a team out there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious because I was actually thinking no. if they do, that's actually got to be a really interesting summer league team because – there are a lot of spots available. It's the Heat minus the big three, baby. Right. That, that I mean, team seriously, is out like, there. Whoever is playing on their summer league roster has got to be thinking, man, I really got a shot at this. Well, and, you know, I was going through the rosters the other day, and, you know, most of them are sprinkled in with some three- and four-year guys. And then I got to the Heat roster, and they have, like, you know, 16 to 20 guys, and there's one guy who's not a rookie. So, I mean, <laughs> that tells you something. These guys, their, their roster is literally all rookies and Shavik Randolph. So... But, uh, yeah, these guys are have a great opportunity. And, you know, they had three three picks this year, all second-rounders, I believe. And, you know, people are saying they're all going to make the team. So, uh, right, right but, off uh, yeah. might be starting at the five this year. <laughs> <laughs> right. Drew, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm sorry, Drew, is, is the atmosphere out there a competitive one in terms of all the years I remember being at Summer League, there were guys who had played in Europe or the D-League or somewhere else who showed up 
trying to take the heads off of these these high profile rookies. Like, are they are they getting pushed? Like, did Wall get pushed in his first game? Did the guy guarding him go after him, or was it more of a AAU type deal where you know everybody goes for theirs and nobody really tries to defend each other? Well, I mean, the guy guarding Wall last night, I believe, was Reggie Williams, who was a rookie last year with the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. Played in the D League a lot, and he had a great game. Uh, he, he was awesome. He blocked, I think, Wall's second shot, you know, and, uh, you know, he was going hard. And, I mean, you know, he's probably – he's got a spot on the Warriors, but uh, but he was going hard. And uh, they're, they're, everybody's going hard here, which is, is good to see. Um, I've been really impressed with how hard everybody's going. Drew, uh, which second-round guy – I know you've only seen a day, but which second-round guy do you think has a chance to um, make the biggest impact next season in the league? Let's see. Well, right now, I've I've seen the Lakers play twice. Right. They're obviously not going to have a huge impact, but Ebanks and character look really good. Really. Um, and uh, if Ebanks can, you know, be a shooter off the bench, possible, you know. But uh, just from Orlando, there were a couple guys that played really well. And I didn't go down to Orlando, but I saw them. I watched closely. And, you know, the Pacers had Lance Stevenson, Magnum Roll were both awesome for them. And, right. you know. I definitely think those guys have a really good shot. Hey, Drew, um, I was just wondering, like, when you're watching the games out there, I have absolutely no idea what I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought. I you got to love that, Drew. I mean, Mike is sitting here, you, you, you're delivering all this riveting information, and then Captain Brain Freeze here loses it. <laughs> I was, like, totally going somewhere, and then it just totally I, – I, listen, classic. I told you I'm on vacation. I I love it. I'm on vacation. <laughs> well, I got listen, Drew. I got plenty of questions, uh, and I'll, I'll pick up here. I'll, I'll get the uh, the steal and the assist <laughs> on this one. I'm I'm curious as to for all the action that's going on on the floor, the buzz out there in Vegas. Is it what went on in Miami last week with with LeBron and Wade and those guys, and whatever moves you know in free agency are getting done now, or are people locked in on the floor? Because I know with so many NBA people out there. All the other stuff going on, it's easy to just be sitting in the gym looking at the floor but talking about everything else. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of talking going on. And, you know, obviously the big thing is, you know, everybody's talking about Miami. You know, first thing you, you talk to a GM, you know, or, or these coaches, you know, they're just hanging out in the stands waiting to talk to people, you know. And mm-hmm. maybe they're not waiting, but, you know, they'll take your talk. They'll take you. Right. And, you know, the first thing that comes up is Miami and, you know, you know, the Gilbert situation came up with, uh, you know, how he handled that. You know, Mark Cuban was, was uh, backing him up the other day. So, right. I mean, there's there's a lot of talk going on. It really seems like a lot of people have different opinions from what I've seen. Like, there are a lot of people who are totally on LeBron's side, a lot of people who are totally on Gilbert's side, and some people kind of see it from, from both angles. I've sort of found that to be interesting and not necessarily breaking down exactly amongst, like, owners and GMs and players. Yeah, I mean, I'll admit, you know, I've been watching mostly the games and, you know, focusing on that. But from what I have talked, you know, just talking to media types and, and the few coaches I have talked to, you know, they all see it as, as a positive for the league, you know. But I think a lot of people are, you know, obviously questioning how LeBron handled the whole thing, you know, and how these three handled everything. Let me ask you, Drew. What was your take on it? I mean, you, I mean, you, you watch the league as, as much as anybody I know. I mean, and you keep a, a finger on the pulse of this thing. How how stunned were you? I mean, obviously, we knew all day long that there was a chance he would go to Miami, but 
what was your initial reaction with with his announcement and then the fallout? I mean, I was surprised. I didn't like how he handled it. You know, I was very, very critical of him. You know, to to people I talked to. You know, and just mm-hmm. the whole the whole situation, the fiasco about how he handled it and how they're trying to play it off as, as charity and all this. I, I wasn't happy with that. That's just my personal take on it. But now that I look at it, you know, I'm excited to see what happens. <laughs> you know, I think if anything, everybody's interested again. You know, I mean, not that we weren't, but it's that casual fan will be like, hey, you know, wasn't LeBron and these two other guys that are really good, you know, on a team? You know, and I think we're going to see, like, a, a new level of interest, which is great for the league, and, you know, I'm excited to see how how they turn out, you know. How do you, how do you think they're going to turn out, Drew? We talked about it for a while before you came on, but what what's your take on it? Well, we were talking about that in the in the offices, and we put somebody said the over under on wins was maybe sixty, and I was I think maybe more like fifty five would be about right. Yeah, that that's where I'm putting my over under, and I am in Vegas, so uh, I'll go check I'll go check that out. You so you smell? I mean, do you think it's out of the realm of uh, possibility for them to win a championship the first year, or do you think they can do what Boston did and and ride the wave of? of all that momentum all the way to a championship in this first one. I mean, it's going to it's going to be interesting to see who else they get around them. But I, you know, I won't put it past them. Yeah. You know, three of the best players, you know, in the league. And you know, it'll be interesting to see who they get. But I mean, if they get some key pieces and you know, from what I'm hearing, you know, Haslam's coming back, uh, you know, that that's a good team. Drew, let me uh, ask you this getting a little bit back to uh to some of the rookie stuff. In, in watching them play out there and, you know, the last couple of years, does it seem like teams are expecting more out of their rookies when they first come in nowadays? I mean, I'm wondering how well Wall's going to come in. I mean, he only played one year of college, but you've seen guys be successful, you know, so early now and, you know, guys like LeBron, et cetera, et cetera. Are, does it seem like there's more pressure on these guys to perform just in summer league? I think so. I mean, they're definitely, you know, given their rookies big minutes. You know, Wall played, what, 33 or 4 of the 40 minutes. You know, he was on the court the whole time. And, you know, that might have been a product of, you know, the buzz and everything. But they want to just throw him out there and they know he's going to be a, a key to their team this year, you know. And so these guys that are lottery picks, are they're getting big minutes. And I think the coaches put are putting a lot of pressure on them, you know. And and it's good. And, you know, I think it it weeds out the ones that are ready to contribute right away. You know, just throw him out there and see what happens. How how much do you think it matters, Drew? Like, I mean, if a guy scores twenty points in a summer game, I mean, how how often does that translate to the regular season? Uh, not often, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think it gives you a good idea. You know, and and a lot of these guys, they're not they're not looking at that. They're looking at you know doing little things and you know working on certain things, but. You know, you ask these guys, you know, have the coaches told you to work on anything, this or that, you know, and, and all of them are like, nope, they just told me to go play, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they're just going out there and just, you know, it's 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 a little bit, you know, like pickup ball a little bit. But, you know, you get to see what guys do well and what habits they have just from, you know, pickup games, you know, <laughs> in, in, a, in a loose sense. Well, Drew, uh, last thing we wanted to hit you with before you get out there and uh... – pull those slots and I mean and watch uh some more ball um is there one guy that you're still waiting to see that you're really fired up about in terms of 
you know, just seeing how he plays in the flow in a, in a summer league game and seeing what kind of kind of game he really has in person as opposed to watching him on TV or whatever. Is there one guy left that you want to get a look at in Vegas that we should be looking out for? Well, a couple guys. I'm, I mean, like I said earlier, I'm really excited to see Cousins. Um, but an under-the-radar guy I'm looking at is uh, Gravis Vasquez. Mm. I mean, I, get, I hear a lot about this guy. The Grizzlies got him uh, in the second round. I believe it was a second-round pick. And, you know, he's I think, it was, I think it was the last pick of the first round. Was, was he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, he came out of the That's stands. That's right, he came out of the stands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so he's, he's good. But, uh, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I hear he's this scrappy kid, really smart kid. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's been around. And, you know, I'm interested to see what, how he translates to the NBA. Right. Definitely. Well, listen, Drew, we appreciate it, man. Um, the rookie ladder. It's fantastic stuff on NBA.com. I've been checking it out, and everybody knows about the uh, the T-Mobile rookie report that you do all year long. So we appreciate you, and uh, enjoy Vegas, brother. Don't come home with some money in the pockets now. <laughs> I'll try, man. We don't have to take up a, we don't have to take up a collection for you in the office now. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> all right, DP. Thanks, Drew. Listen, uh, right. I'm gonna tell you right now. I can't remember less attention being paid to summer league. And it's all, I mean, it's all ties back to what we talked about to start out the show. I, I, I actually need to sit down and watch some of this. Um, I want to see Jordan Crawford and some of these other guys, some of these other rookies, uh, just see if they can play or not. I mean, because yeah. I, I was so critical of the draft, Lang. They got down to 16 or 17. I, like, I had to go scrambling and look dudes up. I think you're, and Micah is probably the same way too as I am, that during the season, like, I don't really get to watch any college basketball. Because I'm watching yeah. NBA games every exactly. night. I mean, I might watch highlights on on you know late at night or whatever, but that's about it. And uh, so for me, a lot of times, other than the NCAA tournament, this is the first time I get to see most of these guys play. And um, so even I saw John Wall a lot, but a lot of these guys, Jordan Crawford, like you said, um, and some of these guys, even Grievous Vasquez. You know, I know he's ACC Player of the Year, but I I, I don't really know a lot about his game. So. Right. I look forward to um, seeing some of these games. I already actually set my DVR to tape some of the Hawks games in the middle of the night next week because I want to see uh, Crawford and Teague and how those guys play. Yeah, well, we'd be remiss if we didn't spend at least a couple minutes uh, on y'all's Hawks. Y'all's um, Hawks. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you two are like the, basically the most vigilant Hawks watchers I know. I mean, Micah, I think y'all's y'all's reasons and history with the team. Uh, have different paths, obviously. Like you've been I, a fan forever. I think, I think you're selling yourself short a little bit here, too. What do you mean? <laughs> I think you have a little vested interest in the Hawks. I keep an eye on them. I mean, yeah. I, I keep my eyes on them just from you're, time to you've time. Got a, you've got history with the Hawks. <laughs> but one of my favorites, and I know one of yours, Lang, uh, Josh Childress, after two years overseas, you know, playing in Greece now, is, is coming back to the league but not coming back to the Hawks, going to Phoenix in a sign and trade. Are you uh, at all disappointed at what you ended up giving him away for, basically, a trade exception in a second-round draft pick? A piece of a trade exception. Yes and no. I mean, I, I mean hopefully they, they wish they could have gotten more, but I think something's better than nothing. You know, part of me thinks that. I mean, as long as they use the trade exception. If they don't use it and it expires, then you're like, well, what was that for? Right. But, um, I mean, and a part of me thinks, well, even if you don't use it and it expires, at least he's off your cap. You know, I mean, that, yeah. that he's been there the last two years. Um, so I, I don't know that they 
I wish they could have gotten more, obviously. But, um, you know, if, if he's going to be on the roster and you're not getting anything from him, maybe it's better to get something than nothing. Lang, let me ask you this. I mean, just since we're talking about chills, it was a big deal when he left to go to Greece. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of interesting sort of looking back on it now. I mean, a lot of people thought, well, is this going to be the start of this whole a lot of players going to Europe and, you know, a couple other guys, I mean, Gennaro Pargo, you saw a few other players, Linus Kleza, go over. But it doesn't really seem like that narrative ever really took hold. And a lot of people at the same time were saying, well, good luck, Josh. Like, your name's going to be completely off the radar. Do you feel like ultimately this ended up being a success for him or a wash? I don't think it was bad. Um, but I don't know that it was like a runaway success. You know, uh, he's the whole time he's been gone, he's been doing this column in Slam. And I've talked to him um, pretty much constantly the whole time he's been in Greece the last two years. Um we email and we Skype actually once a month to do the column. And, um, you know, I, I know it's, it hasn't been easy for him to be so far away from home, uh, for two years. And, uh, he, I, I know he enjoyed being over there. He liked, uh, playing for that team, the culture. He liked Athens, loved the fans there. Um, but I, I think for any basketball player, the NBA is the gold standard and you, you want to play in the NBA. And, um, I haven't spoken to him since the Phoenix story came out, but um, him being from Cali, I would, I would guess that would be attractive to him, being closer to home. Um, and to be back in the NBA is probably nice too. You know, as you said, Micah, the whole thing about uh, players going over there and maybe this being a new, uh, a new path for a lot of players to take or whatever, I think originally that kind of took hold and then the economy turned bad over there as well as it it was as bad in Europe as it was here. And it's um, still struggling in Europe. So uh, it wasn't as easy for guys to jump over there and, uh, and make the money. I think. See, I look at it different. I think it was a smashing success. If you think about it, he, he wanted basically the same contract he got from Phoenix when he was a free agent that first time with the Hawks. He, you know, he's basically set, to sign a five-year, $35 million, 30, you know, five-year, $30 million deal in that neighborhood. Yeah. He goes to Greece for two years, and there's not – you couldn't find 10 NBA fans who could tell you what he did in Greece. <laughs> and now he's going to end up signing basically the same deal he wanted to get then, and he's had two years to really polish his game up and, you know, get some other stuff done. And he make has more money than he would have made Make more here. money than what he made. And don't forget, he hasn't – put the wear and tear on his body the last couple of years playing over there that he would have playing an 82 game season in the NBA in the playoffs if, had he stayed with the Hawks. I mean, not to me and, you know, and I'm biased where, where Josh Childress is concerned. I, I won't, I won't lie. I mean, he's always been one of my favorite guys um, and remains one of my favorite guys to deal with in the league. And I just, you know, I, I'm happy for him. I hate that he's not playing for the Hawks. Cause I, I would really like to see him back on the Hawks. I, I think he'd be a great addition to what they have. Um, but I think it's a great, I think it turned out great for him. Yeah. I like, as I said, I don't think it was bad. Um, I think at the very worst, it's a wash. It's even, he's back where he was two years ago. Um, at, on, at, if you want to look at it as a plus, he made money over there for two years. You know, maybe, um, as you said, he saved some wear and tear in his body. Maybe he didn't get a chance to develop as much for two years playing against those guys, only playing one game a week or two games a week. Um, so I don't know. I don't think it was a bad thing, but I, I don't, uh, I don't know. Maybe it is a smashing success, as you said. <laughs> I think it'll be interesting to see how it works out with Phoenix. I mean, you like him. You know, you think about him with a point guard like uh, like Steve Nash. But 
it makes me a little nervous that they're putting back together the uh, the 2005-2006 Atlanta Hawks uh, <laughs> trading for Boris. I got Boris and Chills now. I mean, that's the same squad that, uh, you know, yeah. lost a few games that year, if I recall. Well, they, I kinda, they didn't I have Steve like Nash. Yeah, I kind of like what they're doing, though, with Hito. Yeah. And those guys, like, I mean, when you have Nash and you have that system, and, I mean, like, look last year, Channing Frye comes in and, Jared Dudley comes in and these right. guys become like really good, really good, important players. Uh, if these guys are quality guys they're bringing in and I think they're going to fit in well. And, um, you know, uh, when D'Antoni was there, the whole thing was we're going to outscore you every night. And there was a lot of nights they just did that. And maybe now they've gotten enough firepower where they can do it again. Um, well, guys, last last topic uh, we want to tackle here on the Hang Time Podcast today. Two uh, breaking news stories. Uh, Udonis Haslam officially going back to Miami uh, and, and playing with the Heat. And then Derek Fisher not going to Miami, staying in L.A. and uh, and, and playing with the Lakers. Are, are those the two uh, – I mean, I don't know if it's symbolic at all that those two things happen the same day and basically the same time, but might we be getting a little uh, preview of what's to come in terms of the two teams that we'll see at the end of the season, um, you know, fighting out for a championship, and two guys who I would argue are going to be – unbelievably crucial to the cause in both places. I think Haslam's kind of like a glue guy that they're going to need on that Miami team to keep things together on, you know, on and off the court. And then we all know how important Fisher is, Micah, to what the Lakers do. Well, certainly. I mean, he's – I've been as as big a hater of Derek Fisher <laughs> since, he beat, since he beat Mississippi State back in 95 with Arkansas Little Rock. But you can't deny the playoffs that he had this year. I mean – as much as people want to say, you know, that he's their weak link and all the other point guards were going to tear him apart, he really stepped up and hit big shots the whole playoffs. And as long as, you know, they have Kobe, he's always going to get those shots, and he's proven he can knock them down. So, you can't – honestly, you can't blame him for bringing him back. I think the Lakers are still the, the favorite. Um, it's going to be the same team they had this year. Uh, you, you change out Steve Blake for, for Farmar, and I think that's an upgrade. Um, I, the one thing I still think they need is like a, a, a defender, a guy who can um, handle Russell Westbrook, those kind of guys right. a little easier, like a quick point guard who, who's a defense first guy. Um, but I, I mean, they got by without him last year, without that kind of guy. So maybe they don't need that. Yeah. Uh, I still think they're the team to beat. And, and with Miami, I mean, those three guys, you get Haslam, Mike Miller, who, who Haslam played with in college, you know, the roommates, I think in college. Yeah. yeah. They've known each other forever. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, you get teamwork, you get some camaraderie, maybe you bring in, you got to get a guard, a shooter or two, uh, bring back Jason Williams. You can get everybody back from that. Part <laughs> of the team. I mean, but now that's five guys with, with Haslam and Miller, three more guys, four more guys. There's your rotation. Uh, you know, I, I think they're right there at the top of the East. Really? You think that you think they shoot to the top of the East? I think they're there. I don't know that yeah. they're – I mean, I think Orlando's probably still better. And mm-hmm. Orlando, keep man, they're stockpiling guys. I saw they got, they got Quinn Richardson I heard today. Yeah, they got Quinn Richardson. Unbelievable. Is he uh, better than J.J. Redick, though? I don't, I don't think he's much worse. He's a lot older. He's done a lot – he's, he's done a, had a lot more success in this league than J.J. Redick. Uh, I, I think he kind of ends up probably taking some of uh, Matt Barnes' minutes. Right. If, if nothing else, if they bring back Barnes. Uh, I think Orlando is probably still better, and they've been there longer, and they've got Dwight, which is the one thing that no one in the East can match up with. You know, um, Boston. I'm curious how Jermaine O'Neal fits in. Yeah. Um, but just looking over the East, you know, uh, 15 teams, half of them aren't going to make the playoffs, and 
a lot of the teams are a lot better than they were yeah. last year. Yeah. So I'm curious how that's going to play out. Chicago is my kind of um, yeah. the team that's made some subtle moves that I like. I think and, – and this is all predicated on Derrick Rose staying healthy, obviously, because I don't think now without Kirk Heinrich, they don't have somebody that could fill that void if he's out. Um, but, you know, getting Boozer, adding Kyle Korver, adding another shoot, you know, a shooter that they desperately need. I, I'm thinking Chicago, and I thought this before free agency started, that whether they got one of those big-name free agents or not in terms of those, the big three or, or somebody to play in the backcourt with Rose, I thought if they got the right guy that would help them out in the front court because Noah's not a big-time scorer. Taj right. Gibson's not a big-time scorer. I think Boozer's more of the – he could even play small forward. Boozer yeah. could. Um, that gives you – I think another element you didn't have last year that makes Chicago a much more dangerous team. And then we'll have to see how Tom Thibodeau does as a head coach. But I, I love I, the changes that have been made. I love the dynamic that it brings to the league. I, I, I think there's something to be said for these teams getting better just through age. You know what I mean? With all these young guys, um, guys who are going to get better this summer. So you look at a Chicago, maybe a Milwaukee, maybe even Atlanta with Josh, as much as he improved over the last year. Right. So he can keep that up and Al and those guys. Um, I mean, I think some of these teams, you don't have to do a lot, but you're just going to get better as a process of, of guys getting experience and, and playing in the playoffs and, and all that stuff. No doubt about it. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting stuff. Um, and we'll have it all, obviously, uh, on NBA.com at the Hangtime blog, here on the Hangtime podcast. Lang, everybody knows that they can find you at, at Slam slamonline.com, I believe it is, as well <laughs> as uh, on Twitter and, uh, and, and other stuff. And on NBA TV. Oh, yeah. Well, we don't want to forget about your, <laughs> your movie star turn. We don't, uh, we don't want to beat. promote NBA TV. No. <laughs> no no one wants to forget about your uh, your star turns on the beat. Yeah. Uh, but we, listen, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Like, you got to come back more often. It always gets interesting from a technical standpoint when you show up. Uh, the Star Trek theme, you know, on the call-ins and everything. We we appreciate you bringing that element to the uh, to I'll the bring, show. I'll bring T Pain back with me next time. <laughs> Clint Hawkins is in here shaking his head right now. He's like, he's in here shadow boxing with somebody. I, don't, I think he's got your head on a stick. He's like he's knocking right now. SMH. <laughs> but we appreciate it. Tori Carmen, rocking and rolling. There's our super producer today for Micah, who decided to break tradition and come in on his vacation he's short he's got his shorts on he wanted to come in and hate a little bit we appreciate it um we'll be back next week with a, with a fresh uh cast of characters to bring you the, all the information you need to know here on the hang time podcast at nba.com <laughs>